on the very idea a philosophy podcast today we are going to go into the second part of the podcast on Bernie Sanders and American pragmatism last week we talked a bit about how the practical non-ideological approach of American pragmatism might not be a robust enough theory to allow for an adequate alternative to the current American political situation and thus American politics gets stuck somewhere in the middle or to the right of the middle anyway without further ado here is the second part of the podcast thank you for listening So, one of the dangers of pragmatism is the gradual shifting of movement of the aims of an inquiry or task over the time. shifting of our ends. In other words, the content of the definition of what is useful changes with time. As do our values. Take politics, as it is the topic. How do we define what is useful in politics? Hmm. At one point... In American society, politics perhaps served the interests of the people. Not we anymore. might even use that troubling phrase, the common people. Let's but do that. over time, politics started to serve other things, as we are well aware of. Mm. It could be argued that now politics mainly exists to serve the economy. Politics exists to create a framework for productive economic growth, return on investments, and all things that lead to a high GDP. The all-important GDP. Moral and political questions used to have center stage. Perhaps. We used to talk about the type of country that we wanted to become, about our national ethos. Our identity. But recently, one could argue that technocratic questions of economic management have taken center stage. We don't debate questions about what type of country we want to be or what type of citizens we want to become. As much as we debate questions about taxation, the deficit, and tariffs or free trade. Hannah Arendt, the German-American Jewish philosopher, discusses this in great detail in her wonderful book from 1958, The Human Condition.
So, so, comma, as these questions change, the content of the definition of usefulness changes. Or our values. So, if the pragmatist wants to know what is useful for the country, it is now primarily a technocratic question because our goals because. are now economic. But perhaps we need to ask if economic goals and values should be our priority. But pragmatism can't help us. So, leading from this, perhaps we need a richer philosophy, one that has a framework to rank goals and values other than utility, and a framework that helps us define what our goals and values should be. Pragmatism champions utility, which is a means rather than an end goal. Not an end value. It shows you how to get towards the ends that you want. And it leaves the hard work of defining goals outside the sphere of philosophy. Need something to define but the ends. Some people think that this is exactly what philosophy should be. I sound like William Shatner. Defining the goals of what society should seek to achieve, not a mere focusing on the means as pragmatism does. Perhaps that is the realm of political science. But some people believe that philosophy should aim a bit higher, a little higher. and be a bit more ambitious. Come on now. Pragmatism may have certain benefits in approaching metaphysical, epistemological, or logical problems. But this failure to develop a specific procedure to be able to develop political goals within a pragmatic framework is a failure of American pragmatism as applied to politics. It seems that a pragmatic political philosophy is merely content to latch onto the current goals of a society at a given time. Not to question those goals. We perhaps need something more transformative that word. from a political philosophy. American pragmatism is not necessarily a conservative philosophy, no, not at all. but it does produce a certain conservatism, conservatism of in regards spirit. to the dominant goals of a given time. It aims to keep those dominant goals in place. So, where does Sanders fit into all this? Well, Sanders seems to be fluent in the art of speaking on moral grounds. In his own words, it's hard to imagine why anyone would be involved in politics if one didn't have a moral sense of right and wrong, of justice and injustice. This is a rare quality for politicians these days, particularly politicians in the center or on the left. 
they don't often talk about morals. They don't often talk about values. Many centrists and leftists tend to be the technocratic type. The language and discourse of morality has been hijacked by the right for the last 40 or 50 years. Some would say Bobby Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson were the last people to emphasize the moral wrong of poverty, for example. Modern politicians tend to talk about poverty as a wrong in terms of such things as wasted opportunity. For example, in not appropriately educating all students, thus not realizing their true economic potential. We are hurting our GDP, they might argue, by not alleviating poverty. They couch their anti-poverty arguments in terms of economic arguments. They say it is worthwhile to alleviate poverty because it will have good economic benefits for the country's GDP and international competitiveness. And that is fine. But there is also a strong moral element to the wrong of poverty. And people need, and I dare say, people want to hear moral arguments. They want to talk about values. Thank you for listening to the second episode. On the third episode, we're going to get into a little more about Richard Rorty and his idea of what the ideal liberal should be. And uh, we're going to examine some of that short, the shortcomings of that. Anyway, thank you for sticking around. On the very idea, a philosophy podcast.